Section four of Memoirs of Miss Sidney Bidolph. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Memoirs of Miss Sidney Bidolph by Francis Sheridan. Volume one continued. July the thirteenth. Sir George has often told me that he knows of no fault Mr. Falkland has but a violence of temper when provoked. I saw an instance of it to-day which I was sorry for, and the more so as I was in some measure accessory to it. Mr. Falkland, my brother, a lady of our acquaintance, and myself, took a ride in Hyde Park this morning. We were to dine at Kensington, where my mother was to meet us, at the house of the lady, a relation of Mr. Falkland's, who was with us. We rode into the stable-yard of her house in order to alight. My horse, which happened to be a young one that Sir George had newly bought, saw some object that made him shy of advancing, and he turned suddenly about. A footman of Mr. Falkland's, who chanced to stand just behind me, very imprudently, though I am sure without design of harm, gave him a stroke with his whip, which made the animal plunge and throw me as I had not time to recover my seat from the first short turn he made. I luckily received not the least hurt, and was on my feet in an instant. But Mr. Falkland, who had leapt off his horse even before I fell, was so enraged at the fellow that he gave him two or three sound lashes with his whip across the shoulders, which fell on him as quick as lightning. I am inclined to think the servant was not sober, for he had the insolence to lay hold of his master's whip and muttered an oath or two. Mr. Falkland's attention being quickly turned to me, he took no farther notice of the man. We went into the house, and after I had assured them all that I was not in the least hurt, I begged of Mr. Falkland to forgive the footman, who had undesignedly caused the accident. He made a thousand apologies for having let his anger so far transport him as to chastise his servant in a manner he was not used to. But the peril he put you into, madam, addressing himself to me, made me forget myself. I repeated, I hope, sir, you have forgiven him. I wish, my dear Miss Bidolph, said he, that the fellow were guilty of no other fault than this, that I might show you my readiness to obey you, but he is such an intolerable sot that there is no keeping him with safety. I have forgiven him several idle things, but as I had determined to part with him before this happened, I hope you will be so good as not to insist on my retaining him. I could not intercede for the foolish fellow after this, so said no more. This little incident convinces me that Mr. Falkland is of too warm a temper, yet I am not alarmed at the discovery. You know I am the very reverse, and I hope in time by gentle methods in some measure to subdue it in Mr. Falkland. His own good sense and good nature must incline him to wish it corrected. My brother says he has often lamented this vice of his nature to him, and said he had taken infinite pains to get the better of it, and had so far succeeded, that he seldom was surprised by it. But on very sudden and extraordinary occasions, such as I suppose he looked upon this to be, which I have related. 
we passed the day delightfully at kensington and did not return to town till late i think i have got cold as we walked a long time in the garden july the fourteenth i have got an ugly sore throat my mother insists on my being let blood i am afraid of alarming her by complaining though i had very little rest all night Mr. Falkland came early this morning to inquire after my health. My mother told him I was not well. How tenderly dejected were his looks when I came into the room. Sir George made him stay to breakfast. He scarce tasted anything. He was quite cast down. My brother rallied him, I thought it unseasonable, on the chance he had the day before of losing his wife. Mr. Falkland answered, I wish I'd followed the first motion of my thoughts and discharged that wicked fellow a month ago. Sir George said, as it happened, there had been no harm done, but he thought Mr. Falkland would do well to dismiss such an insolent rogue from his service. He has saved me that trouble, said Mr. Falkland. He has dismissed himself, but he took care first to rob me. To rob you? we all repeated in the same breath. Yes, said Mr. Falkland. I told him after I got home that he was to deliver up such things as he had in his charge to my own man, as I meant to discharge him in the morning. He made me no reply, for he was a sullen fellow, but when the family were asleep he contrived to pick the lock of a bureau in my dressing-room where I sometimes keep money. I believe what induced him to it was his having seen me yesterday morning when I was going to ride, a precaution which I generally use, put my pocket-book into this place, and I suppose he concluded there were banknotes in it, for he took that, I presume without staying to examine it, and all the money he could find besides, and very cleverly made his escape out of a back window which was found open this morning. My mother lectured Mr. Falkland a little for suffering a servant, whose fidelity he was not sure of, to see where he deposited his money, which, she said, might prove a temptation to one who was not so ill-inclined as this man. Mr. Falkland acknowledged it was careless of him, but said, in his justification, he had been accustomed to very honest people about him, which rendered him less suspicious. He appeared so anxious and unhappy about my indisposition that I affected to make as light of it as possible, though indeed I find myself very much out of order. With what a kind sorrow did he observe my looks! Sighs now and then stole from him as his eyes were fixed on my face. I am obliged to him, yet I think I should not be as much concerned for him if he were ill. Here is a whole cargo of silks and laces just sent in to me. Hey-ho, I can't look at them, I am not well, and I have such a gauntlet to run of visiting and racketing, that the thought makes me sicker. July the 27th After a fortnight's, a dreadful fortnight's intermission, I reassume my pen. I have often told you, Cecilia, I was not born to be happy. 
Oh, I prophesied when I said so, though I knew not why I said it. I will try to recollect all the circumstances of this miserable interval and relate them as well as I can. The last line in my journal, which I have not yet ventured to send you, as your stay at Paris is so uncertain, informs you that I was ill. I was let blood, but my disorder increased, and I was in a high fever before next morning. I remember what my reflections were, and am sure my apprehensions of death were not on my own account afflicting, but grievously so at the thoughts of what those should feel whom I was to leave behind. My mother and Mr. Falkland, I believe, chiefly engaged my mind, but I did not long continue capable of reflection. The violence of my disorder deprived me of my senses on the fourth day, and they tell me I raved of Mr. Falkland. I remember nothing but that in my intervals of reason I always saw my poor mother in tears by my bedside. I was in the utmost danger, but it pleased God to restore me to the ardent prayers of my dear parent. In about ten days I began to show some symptoms of amendment, and inquired how Mr. Falkland did. My mother answered, He is well, my dear, and gone out of town, but I believe will return in a day or two. Gone out of town, said I, and leave me dying. Indeed, that was not kind of Mr. Falkland, and I shall tell him so. My mother was sitting on the bedside and had hold of my hand. My brother was standing with his back to the fireplace. I observed they looked at one another, but neither made me any answer. "'Pray, Sir George,' I cried, "'would you serve the woman so, whom you were so near, making your wife?' My brother was going to reply, but my mother frowned at him. He looked displeased and went out of the room. "'Dear madam,' said I, "'there is something the matter with Mr. Falkland. "'Don't keep me in suspense. "'I know there is something which you and my brother would conceal from me. "'Is Mr. Falkland sick?' "'Not that I know of, I assure you,' answered my mother. "'He was well yesterday, for we had a message from him to inquire after your health, as we have had every day. For he is but at Richmond, and you know, if he were in town, he would receive no other satisfaction than hearing from you, as you are too ill to admit of any visits.' My mother rang the bell immediately and asked me to take something. I saw she wanted to turn the conversation. My maid, Ellen, came into the room, and I asked no more questions. My mother stayed with me till it was time for her to go to rest, but avoided mentioning Mr. Falkland's name or giving me any opportunity of doing it, for she tenderly conjured me to keep myself quite composed and not to talk. The doctor assured her this night that he thought me out of danger, and she retired with looks of cordial delight. She was no sooner gone than I called Ellen to my bedside, and charged her to tell me all she knew concerning Mr. Falkland. The poor girl looked concerned, and seemed to study for an answer. "'Lord bless me, madam, what should I know of him more than my lady has told you?' "'When did you see him?' said I. "'Not for several days,' she answered. "'Where is he?' At Richmond, I heard Sir George say, but 
I suppose he will come to town as soon as he hears you're well enough to receive him. I catched hold of her hand. Ellen, I know there is something relative to Mr. Falkland which you all want to hide from me. Don't attempt to deceive me. You may be sure whatever it be, I must soon be informed of it. In the meanwhile, my doubts make me very unhappy. The good-natured girl's trouble and confusion increased as I spoke. "'My dear madam,' she replied, "'when you're better, my lady will tell you all.' "'No, no, Ellen, I must know it now. Tell me this minute, or you must never expect to see me better under such uncertainty. What is the all, the frightful all, that I am to be told? How you have shocked me with that little word!' "'I know nothing, madam,' answered Ellen, "'but what I gathered from Sir George's loud, angry talk with my lady, "'and I should be undone if her ladyship were to know I mentioned it to you.' "'I assured her my mother should not know it. "'Why then, madam,' speaking lower, "'I am afraid that Mr. Falkland has misbehaved "'or has been belied to my lady.' She stopped at this. How? How? cried I eagerly. What has she heard of him? Something of another courtship, she replied. But I hope it is all false. You trifle with me. Speak out and say all you know. The poor creature started at my impatience. I know no more, madam, than what I heard my lady say to Sir George. I had rather Sidney were in her grave than married to him. Sir George said, But why will you not let Mr. Falkland justify himself, madam? Justify himself, my lady answered. What can he say? Is it not plain that he is false to another woman? They talked lower, but at last Sir George raised his voice and said he would give half his estate to have the villain punished. And this, madam, I overheard by mere accident. Sir George was going abroad. His linen was lying ready for him in his dressing-room, and his man desired me to put a stitch in one of his master's point ruffles, which was a little ripped in the gathering. I'd come up the back stairs into the dressing-room, just as my lady, who was with Sir George in the bedchamber, said the words I first repeated. And while I stood doing the ruffle, I heard the rest. There was a great deal more said, but I could not distinguish anything besides except a word here and there, which Sir George seemed to speak in a very angry tone. This was the second day of your illness. Mr. Falkland had been here in the morning to inquire how you did. My lady saw him, and I thought they parted very friendly. I met Mr. Falkland coming downstairs. He looked full of grief. My lady stood at the dining-room door and wished him a good morning. About an hour after came a letter directed to you. It was brought by a porter who said it required no answer. As you were too ill to read it, I gave it to my lady, and it was soon after this that I heard the conversation between Sir George and her ladyship. Mr. Falkland came again in the evening. Sir George was not at home, but my lady had him above an hour in the drawing-room, and the footman who let him out said 
he looked as if he were in sad trouble. He has never been here since, but sends constantly every day to know how you do. My lady ordered me, if any letters came for you, to deliver them to her. And has there any come to me? No, madam. Word was always sent to Mr. Falkland of your being so ill, that to be sure he thought it would be vain for him to write to you. This was all I could gather from the maid. What a night did I pass! I scarce closed my eyes. Ellen lay in a field-bed by me. She had watched several nights, and I obliged her now to undress and go into bed. She slept soundly. How I envied her tranquillity! If I forgot myself for a few minutes, my slumbers were distracted, and I started at the recollection of what I had already heard, and the dread of what I had still to hear. Mr. Falkland absenting himself from the house so long, my mother wishing me in the grave rather than be his wife, my brother denouncing vengeance on the villain. These were the terrible ideas that haunted me till morning. What can he have done? I cried aloud several times. I summoned to my aid all the fortitude I was mistress of, and resolved not to sink under the calamity, be it of what nature it would. End of section 4